Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. But a champion becomes a legend. McCarty Debra's won it. Perkins goes in first. What a legend. What a champion. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's that time of the week again. Always a pleasure to have you with us for another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Don't forget, say it now, week from the 19th to the 25th and you can send a loved one a message. Be part of Say It Now Week with the hashtag Say It Now. And today we celebrate the footballing life of a man who played 106 games in the AFL principally with St Kilda, but he also made it up to Brisbane for one. He was one of the most talented players that we've seen in recent times, and he's making a name for himself in coaching. His name is Xavier Clark, and he's in the studio. Xavier, welcome. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Now, can I I call you Xavier or can I call you X? Do you feel like you're in trouble if I call you Xavier? Yeah, well, um, I very rarely get called Xavier, to be honest. So it's um, it's X. So, um, yeah, happy to call me whatever you want, mate, but uh, keep it nice. X it is, yeah. I I will keep it nice. And the one thing that is nice at the moment is the fact that you're at Richmond. Yeah. And uh, they're just purring along at the moment. Um, it must be a great football club to be around, especially when you were there a couple of years ago with that remarkable performance they came up with. Yeah, well, I'm going into to my third year there now, and it's been um, phenomenal, to be honest. It's been a great football club to work for. Um, you're under the leadership of, obviously, Dimmer as a coach, but um, you know, even Peggy and, and Brendan Gale, um, the whole football club has been absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, like I said, going to my third year, I'm loving my time there. I'm learning a lot from the other coaches as well. But um, yeah, just uh, it's been a great environment over the last three years. And you know, obviously with that premiership um, in 2017 was was certainly the highlight and um, something I'll never forget. But um, it's just been a great football club to to be a part of so, um, to, to to date. How did you manage to find yourself at Richmond? Um, it's sort of a few different stories. I sort of um, Dan Richardson was um, up and down a few times, and I'd been in contact with him um, over the phone, and he'd always come and catch up for a coffee when I was coaching the NT Thunder, and, and also Neil Baum um, was also up and down a few times with Collingwood in their academy, and um, yeah, I sort of went out my way to go and catch up and have a coffee and stay in contact with these guys because um, I knew at one point I wanted to try and get back into. To an AFL in the AFL system or at a club, but whether it be a coaching at a coaching level, um, and yeah, I just built relationships with those two guys, and and uh, you know, funny enough, Barmy ended up at Richmond. Um, Dan Richardson was there at the time as well, and um, when Barmy made the move over, I'd, I thought I'd send him a quick email and say, you know, good luck with the role. If there's anything that comes up, keep me in mind, and um, it, all, it just went from there. I had uh, an interview with him and um, Dimmer and. Um, Dan Richardson, I think the grand final 
week of 2016. Um, and then, yeah, just went from there. I, I had a couple of, I spoke to a couple of other clubs as well during that time. Um, and Richmond just seemed to be a pretty good fit and, um, got the nod about six weeks later, which was, um, which was fantastic. So when you got there, did you see what was in the making? Did you see that there was potentially a team that could go all the way? Because the signs weren't terribly obvious to everybody outside the football club. No, it was pretty funny though, because <laughs> when I told my family that I was, I was going to go and join Richmond as, um, uh, you know, on the coaching, um, team, um, a few of them were asking why, <laughs> <laughs> you know, why would you go there? Um, obviously with their recent history, but, um, I think, uh, meeting Dimmer and, um, knowing Barmy, um, over that period of time, over 12 months, I got to know him, um, beforehand, um, Andrew McQuarter was there. Um, I knew Craig McRae, um, you know, from my short time up in Brisbane. Um, so I knew they had good people there. Um, just had this vibe about, you know, the way they were heading and how they were structuring up the football club. Um, and yeah, that, that was really the reason why I made the decision to, to go there. And they obviously offered me the role to go there, um, which was the start, but being able to go, yeah, I'm going to come and give it a go. And, um, it was just a, a really good vibe. Like just, I just, I had something there that I, I really liked. I liked the fact that their board was really strong. Um, the fact that they had dimmer had a lot of pressure on him and they backed him in, um, to, to stay on. Um, so I thought that they had a bit, a lot of character within the football club and that was really important, um, for me. And, um, yeah, and you know, the rest is history. Did you see the change in Dimmer X over the year? Because it's been well documented that he said he changed as a person. He changed his expectations. He changed how hard he was on yeah. the playing group. Did you see that? Uh, I got, when I was there, he'd, he's well and truly into his, you know, his change, or if you want to call it that. He'd, uh, I hadn't seen him previously before mm. that years. Um, but knowing and speaking to the players at the time, you know, that he, he'd certainly um, changed the way he coached. Um, and more, not so much the way he coached game day, but just his approach with the players and the um, group. I think the one thing with Dimmer's biggest strength, the players love him as a person. You know, he's got they've got so much respect for him, um, which is which is a great thing to have in the football club. Um, and he just made what changes he needed to, um, and obviously it worked really well for him, which was uh, a great result. Obviously, it's a pressure job. Yep. Um, Damien Hardwick appears the sort of guy who's got a really good sense of humour about yeah. him. He takes the job very seriously, but there's also a lighter side to him. Well, I guess you get to see that a bit more. Yeah, we do. And obviously, we have a you know, match committee each week, you know, two, two, time, two or three times a week, and you know, the things that you don't see. But really, what you do see on camera in his press conferences is pretty much what he's like. You know, he's, he's very lighthearted. He likes to make a joke every now and then. Um, yeah, the one I think he's go to is the Mrs. Hardwick uh, um, one. But uh, she's even got a horse named after <laughs> yeah, her. Now. She does. Uh, so um, oh, he, he he is a great person. He's a great family man. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, and I said before, you know, the players just got great respect for him, which is um, a great thing to have as as a coach. We're going to talk about your time at St Kilda, obviously, yeah. as the hour progresses, but. There is a parallel, I guess, from St Kilda to Richmond, and that yep. is the weight of expectation to wait for that premiership. Did you feel that in 2017 at all? Because the Tiger Army have been waiting for a long, long time. There's that sense of anticipation and that build-up, which has taken decades. Yeah, I think um, 2017, to be honest, was probably the back end of the year. Um, well, sort of started the year. was just with no expectations. The boys were just playing free footy. Um, you know, we changed a little bit of our attacking, um, the way we attack with Blake, Blake Carousel coming on board. 
Um, you know, the defensive system was was always there. You know, Ben Rutten had a really good defensive system in place. Uh, and then Blake come in and, and changed a little bit the way we attacked and moved the ball. Um, so I was really playing with a lot of freedom um, in that first half of the year. And then the second half of the year, it was just more excitement. And, um, you know, the boys were just loving doing what they were doing and um, enjoying the defensive side of the game, but also the way we are moving the ball and scoring um, so freely. Um, so the expectation in terms of the group wasn't really there, the playing group and the coaches. It was just, we we're so excited. We are riding this wave of, um, excitement and enjoyment and everyone just enjoying their time and it was almost like you know whatever happens is going to happen um, and we'll just enjoy the moment which we did and um, you know it was, the second half of the year is probably the most enjoyable time I've had at a football club in a very long time because um, like I said even though if it, it wasn't just so much the wins and, and that it was just the way we we're going about it within the football club um, you know, everyone was obviously excited because you know, we were winning, um, and that helps. Um, but everyone was just up and about. You know, from the VFL, VFL program was going really well. You know, we we're winning games. I think we we're on top of the ladder as well. Um, we played in the grand final that year as well. Um, so, from that program, the VFL program to the AFL boys, everyone was just enjoying their time, which was which was a fantastic environment to be involved with. Moving forward from 2017 to the present day, yep. I guess you've formed a, a close relationship with a lot of guys, but. I think Sydney Stack would probably be one of them. He is one of the more remarkable stories in footy, isn't he? He is an uh, unbelievable story, you know, and, um, you know, clubs not wanting to take, I guess, that risk on him um, in the draft and, you know, full credit to the to Richmond to be able to do that and, and give him that opportunity. And, you know, they've done a fantastic job. We've got, um, I think, six Indigenous boys on our list now. Um, you know, the latest one is Marlon Pickett as well. Um, and they've just built a great environment there for all players, you know, um, to be a safe environment, um, you know, to be yourself, um, to to celebrate the differences within our within our group, which is um, which is a big strength of the football club. And uh, yeah, and Sydney fits right in there. You know, he's come from a you know pretty troubled background. Um, you know, he's got he's had great support from his mum and, and his dad, but um, in in different parts of his life. Um, but moving over here, I think has been. A really good thing for him. Um, you know, he's living with us at the moment, so he um, keeps us on our toes at home. But um, does he do his share of the housework? Uh, he can lift his finger a bit more, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but all that's all nineteen-year-old kids are, are the same, I think. But um, look, he he is a he's a pretty special uh, individual in terms of you know the way he plays and um, you know the way he, he he goes about his business. Now he's got a little bit to learn in terms of his football and and, and so forth, but he'll do that as, as he gets older and and find his own way in in life and in football. But um, yeah, I think it's a, a great football story for for um, two thousand and nineteen. That's for sure. And you can probably see a few parallels from a nineteen year old kid to when you first made the journey down and the big smoke and all of the things that go along with it and all of the adjustments that you need to make. Yeah, well, I was, you know, similar. You know, you, I was, I was lucky. I was drafted, so that expectation, you know, sort of getting drafted and not missing out on the draft and that disappointment. So, um, but yeah, moving down from Darwin as a, you know, an eighteen-year-old, just turned eighteen um, in September. So then you, you know, November draft, and you know, you're down here, you're doing a pre-season by mid-November. So um, your world gets turned up, you know, pretty quickly. Um, you know, moving away from home, different environment. Um, trained in an elite standard and elite environment as well, um, and you're in the spotlight. It's um, it can be pretty daunting, um, but it's also pretty exciting at the same time. And 
um, you know, Sydney's done a fantastic job at it. And, um, you know, I felt that I really enjoyed my time when I come down. You know, I was living my, my dream, mm. play AFL football. You know, I was training alongside Robert Harvey's and Stewie Lowe's and, you know, Nathan Burks and, and these guys, um, which was, you know, unbelievably um, exciting for me as an 18-year-old kid. Let's take it back even before then. Yep. Um, Xavier Clark growing up. Did you eat a footy? Did you sleep with a footy? Did you just that was all you wanted to do? Pretty much. Um, there's four boys in our family and, and one girl. Um, I'm the second second eldest, but um yeah, it was just always in the backyard kicking the footy with dad. Um, whether it's, you know, marks up or, you know, one V ones in the backyard. It got pretty pretty physical at times, you know, where, we, where the brothers um weren't too happy with what's going on and, you know, dad not playing free kicks or whatever it was, but um <laughs> Yeah, like we just we we love footy. My dad played um, almost two hundred games at St Mary's Football Club and played in three premierships. And you know, my grandmother was a founding member of the St Mary's Football Club. So um, football has just been a part of our life for for you know, forever, from from what I can ever think of. And um, we played a lot of basketball as well as, as young kids. Um, you know, I was between that and and footy most of the time. Um, and I remember getting to about sixteen or seventeen to make a decision whether I wanted to focus more on my basketball or my footy, and um, footy was an easy choice. Um, I, I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed, you know, what opportunities it was going to give me in terms of being able to potentially play AFL football. Um, but, yeah, I just love playing the game. You know, St. Mary's as a junior, um, you know, and, and like in the backyard where it started, you know, where it all starts for most young kids, you know, with their brothers and, 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 and your old man is um, something I will never forget. It's something that you look forward to every day, but life wasn't always easy as you were growing up. Yeah, look, it's, um, yeah, everyone has their challenges. Um, you know, we're moving away from home as a young kid was, was um, one, really exciting for me. Um, but, yeah, the fact that you, you move away from your family, I think my younger brother at the time was eight years old or something like that. So you sort of miss out on him growing up. My sister was, um, you know, I think 15 or 16 so you know she you know she, you, know, you miss that part of it you know I, I i lost a sort of bit of connection and a relationship with my younger brother for a, for a long period of time just because that I was never home um you know mum and dad were always great they were great support and they were always there for me um you know and footy started going really well like my first year I played 16 games and then 22 games the following year and um, then injuries started to sneak in and, um, you know, and then a few things at home, you know, my old man started getting really sick from, from bowel cancer and, um, you know, things started to get fairly challenging, but, um, it, uh, it, it wasn't as easy as, um, my first year or so, but it got tougher as, as, um, my footy career went on for sure. Ex, we'll talk more about that as the journey goes on throughout the hour. How did you go from St. Mary's to under the attention of the people from AFL football? Yeah, uh, I played um, the Nationals, all the Nationals. I played, you know, schoolboy footy. Um, I remember my first trip to Melbourne was, um, I can't remember what year it was now, but I was, I think I was 11 years old when you come down and play school sports. Um, and I remember Raf come down, he was a late call-up. He's two years younger than me, he was nine years old. And he'd come to Melbourne, um, school sports. And back then you used to get billeted out. So you get billeted out to a family. Um, and we played our first game. It was at um, at Glen Ferry Oval, actually. Oh right, eh? um, back then. So um, the trains going yeah, by. Yeah, it was, and uh, it was muddy. The yeah. the centre cricket pitch was just all mud all over it. Um, it was freezing cold. 
Um, so it started from there, and then yeah, then you go into the under fifteens, and then the under sixteen national championships. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the all Australian team um, as a seventeen year old that toured Ireland um, that year. Um, we had some pretty good names in that team. Yeah, it was like Daniel Kerr and uh, Chris Judd, the Loney brothers. You know, Alan Didak, um, yeah, myself, Andrew McDougall. So there was a there was a fair few boys there that went pretty high in the draft. Um, and uh, then, then my 18th year as is, is my draft year is probably my most important year. And I set myself up to have a, you know, a really big under-18 national championships. Um, and unfortunately, I did my hammy in the second game of the nationals. Um, and I thought, you know, that's, that's probably not going to do me any, do me any favours. Um, and yeah, I went home and trained pretty hard for the, for the draft camp, I remember. And then I got to the draft game. I was actually pretty underdone. I remember again then. I was, I think, I ran second last in the three k time trial, and um, my um, beep test was pretty average. Um, so I was pretty disappointed with it, to be honest. Um, so what do you reckon they saw in you, the people who were interested, yeah. that the numbers weren't showing on a piece of paper? Um, I think I was, uh, I was a natural football footballer. Right. I could, um, you know, my, you know, sixteenth when I was sixteen or under sixteen and under eighteen, I played bottom age under eighteen level. Um, so I played in nationals two years in a row. So I think they had enough evidence there to show that, um, you know, my football ability was something that certainly they they gonna they were taking a um, punt on. Um, yeah, and that, I think that's what it was. You know, I had natural flair. Um, I enjoyed taking the game on. Um, I didn't mind going for a, a hanger every now and then. Um, but uh, I think that's what really they saw the most of. Um, and they could build their aerobic capacity when I got to a football club. So... Um, yeah, so I think that's that's pretty much what would have got them over the line for sure. Was it always going to be St Kilda or did you have other interests as well? I had no idea, to be honest. And I was pretty naive about the whole draft thing. I, I you know, growing up in Darwin, I just thought you just go and, you know, they draft you and you go to a football club. So I remember going to, or at the draft camp, I was in Canberra back then and, um, you know, talking to players, they're going, oh, who's going to go one? Who's going to go pick, you know, pick two or pick three? And I'm going, oh, I don't, I've got no idea what's going on here, like, you know. Um, and I remember speaking to a lot of clubs. I think I spoke to most clubs at the at the draft combine, um, and spoke to St Kilda very briefly. Like I, they didn't give me a lot. They didn't give a lot away. Um, West Coast gave me a fair bit. Like they they were you know pretty interested, saying that you know we 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 want to take you. Um, they had pick six, I think that year. Um, so I was sort of a little bit convinced that I was going to Perth, to be honest, um, just because of the fact that Saints gave me not much. Um, so, uh, so the draft come around and it definitely wasn't televised in 2001. So we, um, I remember being at my mate's house with the internet plugged into the, the phone, the old dial-up internet <laughs> to, to refresh every time the, the pick come up and um, his internet crashed. So we thought, oh, we'll, you know, bugger it, we'll just go and do what we do. And I think we jumped in his pool and swam around and just chilled out. And, and then I got a phone call from the local newspaper to you know, pretty much say, congratulations, you're going to the Saints. So... It wasn't, uh, you know, sitting in front of the TV and, and all the excitement. I was just pretty relaxed about it all, to be honest. And um, I'm glad it ended up being the Saints because it, um, it was a great uh, opportunity for me. It was the start of a great football journey. And yeah. we'll explore that a little bit more when we come back on the other side of the break. Xavier Clark is my guest. All part of Say It Now Week for Tobin Brothers Funerals. August 19 to 25, the hashtag is Say It Now. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. 
Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Great to have you with us for This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives as we celebrate the life of Xavier Clark. And don't forget you'll be able to watch all of the Ambassadors videos on Tobin Brothers Funerals Say It Now Week. You can catch those from the 19th to the 25th of August and you can see all the Ambassador videos at tobinbrothers.com.au. So you're drafted by the Saints. This boy from the top end comes down. You touched on it before and you come down to this massive place where football is the focus but it's a big city compared to where you were. It must have been something of a culture shock for you. Yeah, it certainly was and um, I was... Fairly lucky as well. I got put in a, a great host family, um, Jim and Kay Watts, and um, and their family. You know, uh, Fergus Watts got drafted to the Adelaide Crows, and then come to to the Saints later on. And um, the son Jack and and daughter Ali, and um, we lived in a ha- oh they lived in a house in in Hampton, um, which was oh, a right which was a, not a bad house. Um, now when you're a lap pool and tennis court, yeah, um, <laughs> I just walked into this place going, "What? What is this?" You know, it was unbelievable. And, you know, going from you know a little small three bedroom house, um, you know, sharing with my, you know the the, the four, three other brothers and myself and my sister had her own room, but um, you know to come into Melbourne and having your own room and your own bathroom was you know it was unbelievable. So, um, so I was lucky in that sense. I got a great host family. They were unbelievably supportive of me. Um, and that gave comfort to mum and dad, knowing that I was in, in, a, in a good spot. Um, so I lived with them for probably the first six to 12 months, um, which was fantastic. So that that was great, the home stuff. Um, and the footy stuff was great as well. Like I, I was doing what I loved. Um, the hard stuff was, you know, trying to get around, you know, understanding, you know, the timings. I remember being late a few times to train in my first, you know, probably six months, just purely the fact that, yeah, you know, in Darwin, it takes yeah probably twenty minutes to get anywhere, regardless mm. of traffic. Where, um, you know, morning traffic and peak hours, something I had to learn pretty quickly um, and know my way around. Certainly, weren't any um, GPSs um, back then. We had to use the old Melways to get around. So you're playing your trip <laughs> the night before or or whatever it was. But um, it was a bit of a it was a big big change in my life for sure. You know, you go from being in school, um, you know, to being at home. Yeah, you know, where you, you know, your mum and dad look after you most of the time to being really independent and have to grow up really quickly. I think football clubs and, and, and football in general, especially when you have to move away, you have to grow up pretty quickly. Um, and that has its pros. It also has its cons. You know, you got to be pretty sensible and reasonable. And um, and that as an 18-year-old kid, and sometimes that's hard to do mm. um, when you want to go and have a beer with your mates or whatever it may be, or, you know, they're off doing their own thing. So... Um, yeah, it was, it was a big change for me and, and probably the biggest one was just being away from the family. Like you just go from being at home to taking completely away and no one in Melbourne, I had no family in Melbourne at all. Um, you know, so everything was pretty new to me in terms of building new relationships, getting new, no new people, um, and getting settled in. Um, so it was certainly a, a big change in, in my life. So who was the bloke at the footy club? either in the playing list or in the administration, the yeah. coaching, who became almost like a second family to you when you walked in? Yeah, I, I said the Watts family certainly were the ones, and, and Jim was the um, uh, CEO at the time at the football club, so um, that, that helped. But um, our draft year, there was um, Luke, Lukey Ball, myself, um, Nicky Dal Santo, Matt McGuire, and Lee Montagna. So there were seven of us. 
Pretty handy draft year, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, and the year before was um, Rewalt one and Kaczynski two, and yeah. then the year after Brennan Goddard come. So there was a group of us young boys that were, you know, Rui moved away. He come back down from the Gold Coast. You know, Cosy come from the country. Um, you know, Bawley is a local boy. Um, but, you know, Dal, Dal Sando moved from the country. Um, so did Manu Guay. So, um, and Joshy Houlihan was the other one who was drafted that year as well. So he's a country boy. So we sort of had a pretty good young group that we all stuck pretty tight. Um, we did pretty much everything together. Um, you know, Nicky Dow didn't have his license then, so I had to pick him up from, you know, just around the corner and take him to training. And um, So it was more just a playing group more than anything. We, you know, especially that group of players um, at the time. Um, we had a bit of fun, but also, you know, we, we worked pretty hard at the time. But And Grant Thomas was probably the one, to be honest. You know, he was the coach at the time. And you know, had a young, or he's got a family, you know, I think eight or nine kids, and mm. he was fantastic. He, he used to have us around for dinner and you know, cook a steak on the barbie or whatever it may be, and um, he just made us feel very comfortable. He backed us in. Um, he was pretty tough on us. He, he, um, he could be pretty intimidating, but um, he certainly um, supported us a lot in, in, in the early days of our footy careers. When you come down to an environment like that, it can be dog-eat-dog for a a young fella coming down. But you mentioned that you played a lot of footy in the first couple of years. Did you sort of expect that it was just going to happen after that, that it was all happening without, you know, obviously you're trying, but it was happening kind of with a minimum of fuss for you? Um, I think early days, and um, when I first started playing my first year, was I think the 16 games, well, to be honest, the club were pretty happy. We weren't going that well. Mm. Um, we lost a fair few games. My first game was against Port at um, Etihad and we lost by 80 points. The second game was down in Geelong. I think Geelong beat us by 120 points um, and that, that was Nick Dalsendo's first game. Then the third game we played at uh, the G against Collingwood and got belted by 80 points. So it was like, you know, as much as losing wasn't great, um, I was playing footy. So I was, for me, it was, that was the best thing. You know, I was excited but I was playing with freedom. Um, you know, there was no real expectation on for what I felt anyway um, as a as a player at that time. Real no expectation. Um, just go out there and do what you always done as a kid. You know, play to your strengths and back yourself in. Um, and I did that for the first two years, and then I think after a while the expectation then starts to build. Um, you know, where you're playing, how you're playing. Um, you know. Um, are you playing well enough? You know, then injuries and and so forth sneak in, um, and that started to build a bit. Like I started to feel a little bit of that pressure. There's no doubt about it, um, and it had an effect in different ways. But um, I certainly think it had an effect on the way I played my footy. I didn't start playing with the freedom that I knew I I could when I was a young kid. And you know, my first two years, um, you start to hesitate, you start to doubt yourself a little bit. Um, and I think that had a little bit of an effect on the way I played, for sure. Every club X has got a player yep. who seems to be more under the microscope than <laughs> anybody else. Were you yep. that man in your time at St Kilda, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, being a, a high pick, you know, going at pick five at the time. Um, and then my third year, you know, whether it was a different role or not backing myself in and playing to my strengths and all this sort of stuff we talk about now in the modern day game, um, you know, and did I start to doubt myself a little bit? Maybe did I, you know, maybe not train as hard at times? Well, maybe as well. Um, 
but I was learning. I was a young kid. You know, I was, I was um, caught up in this bubble of AFL football. Um, and like I said, the expectation built on me. I started to read into things that I probably wouldn't have in the past. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I copped a fair bit as a, a Saints player. Um, and so did my brother, Raf. Um, mm. you know, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I learned to, to, you know, deal with it and move on and, and become the best player I possibly can for the football club and work pretty hard. Um, you know, it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy being away from home. Um, at times, especially when, you know, family was going through um, a few things. Like my old man being pretty crook at the time, um, you know, and then obviously having injuries sneak in as well with me. Um, yeah, it, it, it did have a, a an effect in, in a small way, um, and I probably didn't show it a lot, but um, I look back now and I, you know, I look at the, the support systems that the clubs have in place now, especially at Richmond um, with our players and, backing them in and let them be themselves and their authentic selves and, um, you know, just uh, play with freedom and your strengths. Um, you know, I certainly could have used something like that back in the day, but um, wasn't to be. And, uh, you know, I pushed on and, and, and probably pushed a few things over in the corner and hit a couple of things and um, and just try to leave your issues at the door. But, um, you know, I think eventually they catch up with you and at times they did with me. Yeah, that's easier said than done. Yep. It's all very well to put on the, the facade of the footballer who goes out there on the weekend and plays, but there's a lot of other time away from the football club. Your dad's not well. Yep. Uh, supporters are ragging on you. Must have been some tough times. Yeah, it was. I think for me, so two th- uh, my first two years was great. The third year was pretty good. I, I had still played a fair bit of footy. Um, it was 2004, I think, that, that year, and... Um, well, things footy. were turning around yeah, for the footy club as well. Yeah, things were turning around for the footy club. We're playing great footy. Won yeah. ten games in a row. Uh, Milne was on fire. Yeah. He was the best small forward in the game. Fraser Garrick was tearing up every um, defender in the competition. Rui was unbelievably you know, dominant. Lenny Hayes. You know, you can keep going on. Um, Harves was just getting better and better as he got older. Um, so we, you know, we had a fantastic um, team under um, Grant. And uh, 2004 come along, and my form wasn't as good as it had been. Um, you know, prelim final come along and um, I didn't I didn't get it selected for the prelim final, um, which hurt me a fair bit. Um, they lost against Port that year and Port went on to win the grand final. Um, so, you know, it started to get challenging then. Then 2005 come, had a great pre-season, played majority of the season, um, then missed again the prelim final through injury that year. Um, and then Sydney went on to win the flag against... Uh, Against West Coast um, by a couple of a couple of points, but um, yeah, I think as my footy career went on, um, things certainly got harder. Um, yeah, and one of them was a weight of expectation, but the other one was injuries. Um, and like you said, it can be a lonely place. Um, I think when I felt most isolated, when either you're in rehab or you're by, by yourself, or you go home, you go home, you sit on the couch or whatever it may be, and so, you know, football can be a fa- you know this most glamorous you know, lifestyle, but sometimes when you go home and sit on the couch by yourself, you can be the most isolated person in the world at times. Um, and I certainly felt that. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, it, it, uh, it did have an effect in, in, in some way and not, but um, I just kept pushing through and probably wasn't, you know, the ideal way of going about it, but that's the way I dealt with it at the time. 
the fact that you had your brother to lean yep. on at the football club must have made a hell of a lot of difference. Yeah, it did. And we had some great mates. Like me and my brother, you know, we lived together the whole time. Um, you know, I'd either be playing or he'd be playing. So, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd support each other immensely through that, um, you know, as well. So, yeah, we, we had a, we got a great relationship. We still... Fair enough, he still lives with me now, so <laughs> <laughs> can't get rid of him. <laughs> can't get rid of him, but um, but yeah, look, we got a great relationship. We've been through a hell of a lot together, that's for sure. And um, yeah, that certainly helped. You know, having that support and that family, um, especially family as well, support. Um, yeah, you know, it's a little bit different just having someone live with you, but when it's your brother and and that that was um certainly helped through through um some t- tough times. But um, yeah, like I said, uh, it wasn't all smooth sailing, unfortunately. But um, certainly enjoyed my time. There were still plenty of good times ahead at the footy club yep. and we'll talk about those when we come back on the other side of the break. Great to have Xavier Clark with us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, all part of Say It Now Week for Tobin Brothers Funerals. August 19 to 25, the hashtag is Say It Now. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Xavier Clark is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Ex, we spoke about the turning of the football club, reaching preliminary finals, and there was that mood around the place that perhaps the premiership wasn't far away. Your body was holding together at times, but it was also troubling you, and you spoke about the things that were going on off the field. But did you feel as though that the premiership was achievable? 100%, um, especially 04 and 05. Um, probably more, 04, we were just playing. It was a bit like um, the Tigers in 2017. It was just so much freedom and um, you know, boys just playing to their strengths. And I remember our game plan was, you know, it was fairly simple. You know, I was like... Um, quick inside direct, you know, I was like, get the ball, go quick. If you can get it inside and go direct to our forwards and which sounds pretty, pretty simple. And the other one was that on our defense was just gang tackle, you know, everyone just coming in and putting high pressure on. And, um, and we loved, we loved playing that way and the style. And like I said, it suited me, um, to my strengths as well than the way I played. But certainly we, we felt more so 04 and 05 of the years where we probably could have, you know, we could have got one. We had, you know, Maxie Hutchinson and, you know, um, um, Robert Harvey still going around for us. And, you know, Fraser was in the prime of his career. You know, Aaron Hamill, when these guys were in their prime, Lenny was dominating Hayes. And and we had a good young list coming through. Like I mentioned those names before, Goddard mm-hmm. and myself and, um, you know, Rui and Cozzy. And so I think we had a great mixture. When you sit back now and you think about what might have been, as inevitably you do, yeah. does that consume you a bit? Early days it used to, like when I first finished playing the game, it did. Life changes and moves on pretty quickly. Um, you know, I've got a young family now. I've got a 11-month-old daughter and you know, she's um, the joy of my life at the moment and, and it's been absolutely unbelievable. So I think the things that I thought you know, were really, really important that consume a little bit, a bit of my time and my thinking um, has completely changed now, um, my perspective on, on things and um, you know, no doubt, at times, you look at other premiership players and, you know, in the draft that we played with, or sorry, in our draft, you know, they go on and win premierships and that. Certainly, you're a little bit, you're envy of that. And there's no doubt that's that's natural. Um, but, you know, like I said, I don't let it consume too much of my time now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my priorities have changed in my life. And, um, 
yeah, you know, I'm really happy in the place I'm I'm at at the moment where I currently sit. Two things tend to change you in life and, yep. and perspective. Uh, birth of children is yep. definitely one, and illness in the family is yep. another. Yeah. So that time when your dad was battling, yeah, was really tough for you. Yeah, it was, and it um it was 2007 when he first got diagnosed with um, bowel cancer, um, which was tough at the time. We, you know, I I just automatically thought he'd be okay. You know, you you, you look at your dad as this um indestructible person, human being that can do anything. Um, so my natural thought was, oh, he'd be fine. Um, you know, he 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 he'll get through this. Um, it's not going to be an issue. And then he got sicker. Um, as the year went on, um, to the point where he had surgery to remove um, part of his bowel to get um, to get the cancer out. And um, and even then, still, I thought, you know, he's going to be fine. He'll pull through this. He'll be he'll be great. Two thousand eight come along. We we played that year. I think I did my hammy again um, earlier in the year. Um, which was a pretty significant hammy, but Dad got to the point where he was in palliative care midway through um, 2008. So the club gave us leave to go home. We went home for six or seven weeks, I think it was, mid-season. Like, you know, this is middle of the football season. Um, and it's funny, he, he got to a point where he got better. He, he got a lot of strength back. They sent him home. He actually, Mum and Dad flew down to Melbourne. They come and watch the game. Raph was playing. Um, I wasn't, so back end of 2008, and then, um, yeah, and then after that, he, he just went downhill. He, we, after the footy season, we went straight home. Um, we stayed you know, at our house at Berry Springs. He didn't want to go back to palliative care, so he stayed at home. Um, and gradually just got worse and worse to the point, um, you know, November in 2008, he, he lost his battle, which was one of the hardest days of my life, to be honest. Um, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, dad was 55, I was 24, something like that. To lose your dad, it um, you think something that would, you know you never would happen to you. Did you um, ever that. consider at that time just going, oh, stuff it? Um, not really. Um, I, I was had obviously. You know, I didn't want to go. Obviously, um, I knew I had to go back. Um, I didn't want to, um, but I always knew that mum and dad, were, you know, they were pretty adamant that, you know, they, they were never going to let me just walk away from things. Um, so part of that was in my mind that, you know, he wouldn't want me to be hanging around here and, you know, feeling sorry and, you know, um, to get, just get back out there and go again. So that was on my mind and certainly, um, something that I, you know, I did and wanted to do for him and the family and, you know, fortune as it goes, I did my ACL, um, uh, sort of, I think it was a week before the season started and I missed the whole 2009 season through an ACL injury. So, Probably 2008 and nine of my, one, not just my footy career, but life in general was pretty tough. Pretty tough uh, times for sure. I mentioned X at the top of the program. It was 106 games. Yep. 105 yeah. were at St Kilda. Yep. How did you find yourself going north again? Yeah, well, it was all part of that. Um, I, I needed a circuit breaker. Like after the 2009 season, I, I was contracted for Saints for the 2010 season. Um, and... I got to the end of the footy season and I just, I, I was sort of struck and stuck in a bit of a rut. You know, I hadn't played great footy, you know, I had injuries, you know, the passing of my old man. Um, I just felt I needed something to, to break the circuit and, you know, and, and start, maybe start fresh somewhere else. And, um, and I started to explore around, uh, you know, other clubs and, and sort of speaking to a few different clubs. And I went to Brisbane, um, 
I had a chat with uh, Michael Voss, who was coaching there, and flew up for the night, and um, had a great chat with him, and and, and that, which was which was great. And uh, come back the next night, and they had a contract offer on the table for two years to go up. Um, they'd spoken to the club that they could sort out a trade, um, and really it was just me making a decision. I decided that um, that might be the circuit breaker I needed, so I decided to go. Um, yeah, obviously knowing that I, had, I still had a year um, to go at St Kilda if I wanted to stay as well, um, so I made that choice to go. And um, you know, in hindsight, you know, was it the right one? Not sure. Um, if I stayed, you know, I'm not not too sure what would have happened. But um, I enjoyed my time up there. I didn't play many games, like you said. You, you mentioned the one game. I think mm. it was more like ten minutes. So <laughs> I uh, I uh, went off the, up there off my knee, Rico. Missed most of the year because I was trying to get back from that. Um, I then played round 18 and did my hammy in the first game back and then put me on ice. I did a full pre-season again um, and then I did my ACL, my other ACL, my other knee um, pre-season a week before um, round one of the 2011 season, I think it was. And um, that was pretty much from there. I knew that um, it was going to be pretty hard to get back playing AFL footy. Our final segment with Xavier Clark on the other side of the break. Hope you're enjoying This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Our final segment with Xavier Clark on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We spoke about the transition to Coaching X and it was a successful one because... You made your mark in the NEFL. I did, yeah. And I had limited coaching experience when I got the job as well. So they took a punt on me. But I think the fact that I was a local boy, Darwin boy, um, you know, I played the AFL level. It was a pretty good program. You know, the NT Thunder program is a great program. So we were lucky. We had some pretty good players. But we built, um, you know, I, I just took lessons that I learned as a young kid, just playing to your strengths, playing free footy. Um, we knew if we could get the ball in our hands and defend well, but as soon as we got the ball in our hands, we just play, you know, territory style footy, which we did, and it was hard to stop at times. It was exciting to watch. So, second year we'll, we won the premiership, which was which was a fantastic, fantastic year. I, um, that whole year was just a great journey, um, and then the third year we played in a, an elimination final, and unfortunately didn't get through. Um, and then that's when the the Richmond job came up. So um, certainly my football coaching time up there was a great one and a great experience and I learned a lot. And of course, anyone from up in that area is regarded as a role model and yep. idol. Um, it probably added to your stature there. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that you were looked upon by the people that you'd grown up with and many of the families that you'd known throughout your lives, that you were elevated to that status. Was that something you were conscious of? Uh, yeah, I was. I think I always was pretty conscious of it. Um, like I said, when you get drafted... Um, and you move in a state, you got to grow up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and you are seen as a role model straight away, especially from you know, Aboriginal communities and um, remote NT. Um, you know, it's something that uh, you got to take that responsibility. And I enjoyed that responsibility. I, I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed the, um, being seen as a, a, a role model, um, especially from up north um, and for young Aboriginal um, kids, um, men and women. So, yeah, that was something I really enjoyed. And I think. You know, coaching my own team, you know, the territory side, you know, bringing home a premiership, coaching so many young Indigenous boys. I think we had 80% of our list were Indigenous boys. Um, 
which was a you know it was just a great joy um and something that i'm i'm, I'm proud of, about um and certainly something i'll continue to build do you aspire to sit in the big chair one day would you like <laughs> to do that you sit there and you dream about it it's a long journey um i see the hard work that goes into it now, this is only my third year now i'm still in a development role so like you know that's that's a bucket list so that's a wish list type thing i know i've got a lot to learn and continue to grow um but yeah, we'll just wait and see. I think yeah, you know, every person dreams that you know wants to coach, coach their own team. Um, but you know, turning that into reality sometimes can be pretty challenging. But I'm in loving my time at the Richmond Football Club at the moment. I'm loving my life at the moment. My you know my little daughter and my partner, and um, you know I'm in a pretty happy spot at the moment. So um. I'll, I'll take it as it comes. Well, you mentioned the word dream there. It was a little kid who was running around the top end, had a dream to be part of football, and you were for 10 years as a player and now in the coaching role. It's been a remarkable journey. It's been a tough journey at times, but you've come out the other end, and as you say, now you've got a little one to look after. Yep. So life's pretty good, and it's been Thanks. lovely to share it with you. Thanks, X. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Xavier Clark joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Another great of the game coming up same time next week. Hope you can join us then. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.